This episode is brought to you in part by the new MDiv from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. The strongest MDiv just got stronger. Southern Seminary introduced a new Master of Divinity degree in order to train, educate, and prepare students for a lifetime of faithfulness with even greater effectiveness. The benefits to students are greater personalization, increased specialization, and the opportunity to earn more credentials in an efficient amount of time. MDiv students who attend classes on Southern's campus pay for only their first nine hours each semester and take one or two additional courses for free. That reduces the cost of the Southern Seminary MDiv by thousands of dollars. Discover how you can benefit from the new Southern MDiv that is simplified, personalized, and incentivized at sbts.edu slash newmdiv. Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 1514, that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon. And I'm Lincoln Liu, your other host. Be sure to check out other resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. It's always a delight to have you as part of our audience. This episode, I'm going to be spending time thinking about an idea with you rather than interviewing somebody else. This is a, an idea that's been kind of churning around in my mind for some time, and because of recent events, I thought I really want to put this these ideas down on paper or, uh, as you're listening, on a recording. And if you saw the title of the episode before you started listening, you realize kind of what I'm talking about, but for those of you who maybe skipped reading it and just listening to it, I want to talk about why pastors need real friends. Uh, and why pastors need real friends within their local church. Um, the real friends are people, friendship can kind of be defined or described as people who we know fully and they fully know us, or as, at least as fully as humanly possible. And uh, people who are growing in that knowledge of us, both us knowing them and them knowing us. It's just a real simple way of thinking about true relationships um, and especially in this context, friendships. And, and this, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because there is a, a sentiment that is out there in ministry and in ministry families that pastors and their families can't have real friends within the local church. When Jenny and I were getting ready to go into pastoral ministry, we did have some people who warned us and cautioned us about being open with other people in the church about our struggles, about our problems, about our sins. And I know those people were well-meaning, but I think it perpetuates deeper problems. And we'll talk about the, the real reality of why the sentiment exists and the real dangers that do come with opening up to people and the real hurt that has happened and does occur in the context of ministry when people betray your trust. But, uh, and, and, and a little bit, we'll discuss a little bit too, the reality that this can be Maybe a greater threat for people who are in ministry, but the reality is, is every person who opens up in a relationship uh, is risking betrayal, is risking their confidence and their trust being violated. And just because you go into ministry doesn't mean you should, uh, there's no caveats in the, the call to have good friendships and relationships. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about that more. It's something I've been thinking about for a while. Uh, it's also why we re 
broadcast last week, the podcast I did with Paul Tripp on his book, Lead. Uh, If you listen to that podcast, you know the context of Lead came out of Paul Tripp being called into lots of different church situations where pastors had fallen in ministry uh, morally. Uh, they'd been disqualified from ministry, sometimes in ways that there there is hope for recovery and, and a path forward to them being reinstated in ministry, other situations where that's just not going to be on the table. Uh, and and LEAD really is a, a follow-up to a previous book that Paul Tripp wrote called uh, Dangerous Calling. And I'll re- refer to those books again later in this podcast. I highly, highly, highly recommend uh, really every Christian I think it would benefit from reading those two books, but definitely if you are in ministry, called to ministry, married to somebody in ministry, a lay elder, you need to read those two books, Dangerous Calling and Lead. Um, And as I said, Lead is a follow-up to Dangerous Calling. Dangerous Calling was really trying to highlight the, the significant challenges that face pastors in ministry. And one of those challenges is this lie, this concept that is bolstered that pastors cannot have real relationships in their local church. And Lead was a follow-up because what inevitably, I won't say inevitably, but in most circumstances, when a pastor had a significant moral failing and you went in and you began to talk to the people around them, the other leadership people, one of the things that Tripp found is that there wasn't real genuine gospel community where the pastor was opening up and being known by other people in his church. Uh, so too often people say we had no idea this was happening. There, We never saw this coming. And the question is raised if, if, there was true genuine relationship and community in the leadership of the local church. How is it that this life altering ministry ending sin went undetected? Now there are some people who go over the top to try to deceive and hide their sin. And we can't always uh, uncover every aspect of sin, but usually when somebody is in the situation where they're sinning, in really severe ways, and they're covering up that sin, generally people can pick up on something not being right at the very least. And so part of part of what Paul Tripp is calling people to is to be open, be honest, be real with one another. And I asked him on that interview, if you listen to the interview, do you, would you recommend, do you think it would be wise to say that you should be able to walk into an elder meeting or a pastor's meeting at a church and look at each person in that room and say, do you have somebody in here or at least somebody in the church who knows the, the temptations you fight, the, the sin struggles that you are wrestling with? And there should at least be one, if not three other people, preferably in that room, who can say, yes, I know what that guy's struggling with. And we pray about it. We talk about it. We share ideas about how to grow in it. We are walking through this journey together. Um, and that that is something that we... I want to promote and want to encourage pastors to have. Uh, so this this podcast was prompted by another prominent pastor failing, and I just thought, you know what, we need to we need to have more conversations about this getting out there and uh, talking about and encouraging pastors to have real genuine relationships, so that we can help prevent this. This is not the only solution. This is not the silver bullet that will always prevent any pastor from ever failing. 
But brothers and sisters, it is a significant measure against those kind of things happening in our lives. And you could take all these principles and apply them to every Christian. I'm just focusing in on pastors in particular because of the 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 greater impact that it often has when one of them fails, but also this this sentiment that is uh, permeated throughout the church that pastors can't genuinely be open and honest and have real friends. So what are some of the legitimate concerns? Some some people have weird views of pastors, strange views of pastors. Uh, that That is, is just absolutely true. I remember one time when I was serving as an associate pastor, I came home from the gym and I was wearing gym clothes and our neighbor who was not a believer, didn't, didn't profess faith of any kind, looked at me and said, oh, so that's what pastors wear when they're not in church, when they're not doing ministry. And I was like, I, th- I think this is what people wear when they go to the gym, but there is clearly some expectation or some thought about like even the clothes that pastors might wear and how, how different they are. So we have to recognize that people have skewed views of pastors sometimes. Another thing that people often have is they have expectations of pastors uh, that may be different than they have on other people. Sometimes those expectations are really known. Uh, like I expect my pastor to wear a suit and tie every time he is speaking in the pulpit or whatever. Uh, sometimes those those expectations are actually unknown by the person who has them and they don't actually realize the expectation exists in their heart until the pastor doesn't live up to that expectation. That can be a really painful reality for them and for the pastor. Some of these expectations are spoken where they are. You know, you get a job description. We expect you to do this, 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 and this, abstain from these activities, do these activities, etc. Other times they are unspoken and people, it kind of goes with that If people don't know they have the expectation, they're definitely not going to speak that expectation. Or maybe they know they have the expectation, but they they don't put it on paper. They don't tell you about it. But in their hearts and in their minds, you are letting them down. And some of those expectations are realistic, right? Like there are some churches who call their, their leadership to abstain from certain activities like drinking alcohol or gambling or whatever. Whether or not you agree that those are biblical or unbiblical, they might say, these are some things that we want to hold you to, or we expect you to be at all of these different types of events. Those can be realistic, but sometimes the expectations are are otherworldly. They're just unrealistic expectations. Like we expect you to be at every single time somebody gets sick or in the hospital, we expect you to be in the hospital with them. Now, if you're at a real small church, with 50 people, that might be realistic. But if you're a lead pastor of a church of 3,000, that's just not going to be possible. Um, so I rec- we just highlighting the fact that it is a legitimate concern for pastors when you're going into ministry to know you are going to let people down. People have expectations. Sometimes they're known, spoken, realistic. Other times they're unknown, unspoken, and unrealistic. And it can be very hard to navigate that. And it can lead to challenges in relationships that, that just sometimes are, are unique to pastoral ministry. Another thing that, that is a, leg, a legitimate concern is pastors and their families have been hurt by people they love. Um, pastors are not immune to the gospel mill. And that means being on both sides of it. And there will be people who are talking about you behind your back because you're the pastor, period. Uh, I've seen this a lot with people in leadership roles, both pastoral and other ministry roles, where you almost get this 
that mentality that because this person is in front of people, they're well known, that I can say whatever I want about them and it's and it's okay. We I think we've been influenced by our culture who has this celebrity mindset that there's gossip magazines and other things like that. And if we just, if somebody lives a public life, we have freedom to talk about them publicly. And that's even, uh, you know, in legal statutes, there are things you can say about public figures uh, that are not considered slanderous or libel um, because they are public figures. Whereas other people, it might uh, be illegal for you to do that problem is that's not a biblical concept. We are called not to gossip about people, no matter how prominent they are, no matter how public their lives are. So pastors uh, have been hurt because of those kind of things. Um, Some people will do that unintentionally. They might just be unintentionally sharing things about your life that you shared with them that they think is interesting or whatever. Uh, Other times, there are going to be people who actively pursue and to with the intention of hurting and harming pastors. Uh, We had people in our church that would write public letters to everybody in the church. calling out the pastor, different pastors for certain things, you know, trying to raise up people against the pastors in the church um, because they felt like they had been sinned against. And whether they were or not, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into that, that you have to have multiple people who are affirming those accusations before you can uh, take, them, take them seriously. But that that is a legitimate concern. People have been burned, have been hurt. And I think even with our friends who encouraged us that was coming from a place of having experienced hurt uh, by other people. Pardon me while I interrupt this episode for a special word from one of our sponsors. Are you passionate about biblical counseling and discipleship? Don't miss IBCD's annual Summer Institute Conference, June 20th through the 22nd, featuring inspiring speakers like Dr. Charles Hodges, Dave Harvey, Tim St. John, and yours truly. The pre-conference theme is Biblical Counseling in Modern Medicine, Considering the Role of Doctors, Medications, and Marijuana. The main conference theme is Life Together, Nurturing Relationships for Eternal Purposes. The event will be in sunny California at New Life Presbyterian Church in La Mesa. Can't attend in person? Get your virtual ticket with live-streamed and downloadable sessions included. Find the link to register at ibcd.org events. Their mid-rate pricing ends April 30th, so hurry and snag this discount and others. See you there. Uh, another legitimate reason why pastors are concerned about this is because sometimes they do have a bigger target on their back. Um, because of all those perspectives that I mentioned before, pastors might and, and public ministry leaders uh, have a unique, you know, we talk about that fishbowl world that we live in, uh, and people might want to take you out for whatever reason, uh, their own pride, their own selfishness, their own frustration with you, that celebrity culture, or just the idea of putting pastors on a pedestal. You know, we joke about that sometimes the higher up you are, the harder it is when you fall kind of thing. And that happens sometimes with, with pastors as people elevate them in their minds to be almost superhuman. And then when they fall, it's, it's just all that more shocking and surprising to us. Uh, and then obviously we have the reality that the enemy, uh, Satan and his forces, love to tear down pastors because it can seemingly have a larger impact uh, on ministry. It can harm churches, deter people from the gospel. People, you talk to them many times, they'll wrestle with their faith because of different struggles that they've seen in in leadership. And 
we can talk about that in lots of ways. Sometimes that is overstated, uh, but that, the reality is people, pastors who fall in ministry, bring a large impact to the church and they defame the name of Christ and defame and hurt the church in, in often bigger ways than other when somebody's not in leadership. And it's one of the reasons why we are warned in the New Testament that not many of you should become teachers. There is a higher expectation, a higher responsibility. So we just want to acknowledge that this, this sentiment is not coming from nowhere. Uh, but there, this can promote lies. Uh, there are lies that come into our hearts that can help promote this mentality or keep us locked into this mentality. We can't have friends. We can't open up and be honest with people. Some of those lies, it really comes down almost to this lie, like, I cannot sin. Like, if I sin, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to uh, turn away from Christ. Somebody's going to uh, leave the church, etc. And And while people may not take it that far, they do have lots of manifestations of that idea in smaller ways, like people can't see me sin or know that I sin, or if people knew that I sinned or what kind of sin I, I struggle with, they wouldn't listen to me. They would leave the church. They would, I would lose my job. You know, all those kind of things can silence pastors from sharing with other people and getting allies to help them in their fights against sin. Uh, and that is a significant, significant temptation for people in pastoral ministry. Um, because, I mean, sometimes people have lost their jobs for particular sins that they're struggling in. And again, we get have lots of conversations about that and how we navigate those situations. But when we internalize that into a way that isolates and t- pushes us away from people, that's a very problematic uh, solution or concept to that problem. Those lies are not biblical wisdom. They're lies from the enemy that can fuel pride, keep somebody isolated, and ultimately lead to destruction. And the reality is God is not a, unaware of all these dangers. He's not a, unaware of these legitimate concerns and real situations, and Scripture is not silent on them. Scripture actually offers safeguards to some of those uh, concerns that people have. As I mentioned before, we are not supposed to easily accept the charge against a pastor. Uh, Hopefully, depending on how somebody became a pastor, there was a significant vetting process where people are examining their character, uh, their ability to teach, their training, all those things. And once somebody has been appointed as an elder, as a pastor, they they do have an extra level of protection against accusation. That does not mean they're not sinners, doesn't mean they can't we can't receive accusation against them, doesn't mean sometimes they don't abuse their authority, whatever. But scripture is really clear. First Timothy 5.19 says, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. You can't have one person bring an accusation against an elder and have it just be received blatantly, you need two or three witnesses to verify the accusation. Because of what we talked about before, sometimes there will be a bigger target on the back of pastors. We need to be careful of receiving an accusation against them. Scripture is also really clear that we are just, in general, not not supposed to show partiality. We're not supposed to separate people into different categories based on their socioeconomic status or uh, a station of life or a job. James 2, 1 through 10 drives this point home significantly. And there's lots of other passages in scripture that say we shouldn't treat people differently based on all of these different things. So pastors uh, or religious leaders are not supposed to be elevated in our eyes as though they are somehow uh, 
different or um, more holy than the rest of us. We need to treat people like they are people. Um, <clears throat> Matthew five twenty, Jesus even tells people, he says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm not going to do a full exegesis of this passage, but one of the things I want you to see from this is that Jesus was constantly condemning religious leaders who put themselves above other people, who misuse their position. And simultaneously, he was trying to help people, the the common Jewish listener, to see through the facade of this religiosity that was put forth by these religious leaders and see the real person beneath them. And then he goes on to say, like, we, we don't want to have a segment of society or individual people who have this kind of fake persona and fake religiosity, but you need to have genuine faith. You need to have something that exceeds the righteousness of those scribes and Pharisees, which saving faith in Jesus Christ gives you that. And what I want you to see from that is that every Christian, every Christian, pastor or parishioner, however you want to describe it, are on level ground before the foot of the cross, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, apart from works that they have done, we are all saved and given the righteousness of Christ. Uh, one of my, my former boss and pastor that I worked with, a uh, great friend, and one thing he talked to us about one year in our elder retreat is helping diminish this holy man and holy place misconceptions that can sometimes permeate churches where people feel this concept like if we meet in the church building, somehow it's more sanctified and more holy than meeting in somebody's backyard or in a, in a living room somewhere. But that was coupled with this concept of a holy man complex where people felt like, oh, we need to have the pastor over. And if we're in his community group or he participates in our service, then somehow it's more blessed or he has a closer connection or better channel straight to God. Um, if he comes to our event, it's better. If he, you know, all these kind of things. And that's a misconception that can really hurt churches, but it can also really hurt the pastor. And it can promote this concept. Like if, if you're in a church that believes that and you personally take on that, that misconception in your ministry, you're going to be less and less likely to open up and have genuine friendships, real relationships with people where you are being known and knowing others and they are walking with you and helping you uh, grow in Christ's likeness, grow in your sanctification. Another thing that we see in Scripture is Scripture holds a very high view of relationship, uh, including friendship. Right from the beginning in Genesis 2.18, we're told that it is not good for man to be alone, period, right? This is pre-fall, not good for us to live in isolation. God supplies Adam with Eve to, to help with that. But then throughout Scripture, too, we see this call to be in relationship, to get to know people, to really be known by people. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who, who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This passage highlights just the value of having people who walk arm in arm together through different trials. 
uh, but also the danger of facing trials alone. And you see lots of examples of, of intimate relationship and even close friendship throughout the scriptures. You see Adam and Eve, David and Jonathan, Moses and Aaron, Moses and Jethro, uh, David and his, you know, and his companions uh, besides Jonathan. Lots of significant, important relationships. And even Jesus had the 12 disciples, but then he had this inner circle of Peter, James, and John that he he showed more of himself to. I mean, legitimately, like right there, the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, scripture is just holds forth the importance of true relationship, and it warns against isolation. As I mentioned, that passage in Ecclesiastes is kind of that double-edged, look at the benefit of having friends, but also the danger of being in isolation. It is not good for us to be alone. Uh, This is especially true when it comes to hiding our sins. We are told that our sins will be exposed. God's going to shed light on them. Uh, If not here on this earth, definitely in eternity. But oftentimes, and you can testify to this in your own life, in your own ministry, it is a grace of God that he doesn't allow us to hide our sin, to stay um, confidential in our sin. But it's his grace when that sin is exposed, because when it is exposed, that's when it's really killed. As somebody once said, uh, or many people have said, sunlight is the great disinfectant. When you get things into the light, they begin to die, but they will grow. Sin fosters and grows and matures and develops in darkness and isolation. So we are not called to hide our sin. Um, Another reason why it's important for pastors to have friends is this concept of absolute self-protection where we are unwilling to be hurt is not a biblical concept. And sometimes, not always, but a lot of the motivation of hiding sin comes from the fact that people will say, well, I will get burned, I will be hurt by uh, people if I open up and share about my sin. And that is possible, relationships, true relationships involve vulnerability and trust. And that comes with the implicit and inherent risk of betrayal, a risk of hurt. But the the fact that we might get hurt is never supposed to be used to allow us to opt out of true fellowship, true relationships. Um, Jesus was hurt right? He was even betrayed by one of his closest friends to the to death. But you don't ever see him or the apostles after him saying, oh, you look at Judas, watch out. There's, you know, he, he betrayed. You don't want to be super close to, to people who might betray you. Um, <clears throat> we don't, it's not wrong to protect oneself. It's okay. We're encouraged, you know, to take care of the bodies and the lives that God has given to us to steward them well. But absolute self-protection is not a biblical concept. Being called into fellowship is, and if we allow this fear of being hurt to to usurp our call and obedience to be in relationship, we're missing out on something. Um, if you think about the Apostle Paul, he was he was betrayed, he was hurt. There were lots of people who were close to him that turned against him, um, left him, abandoned him. 
but he's continued to press into relationships. All You see all the way to the very end, he has close friends that he can call on to minister to him in prison, to bring things to him, to uh, fellowship to him, to minister to him. And again, as I mentioned, Judas and Jesus, obviously there's a uniqueness to that relationship, but there is just the reality that Jesus opened himself up to being hurt. He understands what it's like to be hurt, and he doesn't call you to absolute self-protection. Uh, there's lots of other, there's lots of ben- blessings from true friendship too. Like it's not just about avoiding uh, or miss what you miss out on, but think about all the things that come from true relationship, like fellowship, just genuine loving somebody super well. Proverbs eighteen twenty four says, "There a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother." Uh, when you experience that closeness of friendship, you it's a joy, it's a delight, it's something we should. Um, appreciate and and grow in. Uh, There's a sanctifying nature to true friendship, right? Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. Uh, Just before in the same chapter, you have verses five and six, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And then Proverbs 13, 20 also says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You see this this sharpening nature and, and being with good friends makes us better. Um, also, the opportunity to, to grow and launch out on ministries. I mean, think about Paul's relationship with Titus and Timothy and many of his other companions that were spurred on to go out and start churches and to do missions work and do all those other things. That came through largely relationship. And you could trace throughout church history, even people from a distance but also close up who are spurring each other on, encouraging each other, writing letters, um, praying for one another, and, and getting each other out into the world to minister God's word to his creation, to his people, uh, and seeing the gospel go forth. So those are great blessings that come from friendship, and if you don't have those, you, you miss out on it, right? Um, there's so much more I could say, but I'm running out of time, and I want to wrap up with some some solutions, some ideas for you. The first is that I would encourage you to pursue relationships. Do so discerningly, do so wisely, right? We don't want to ignore the realities that are there. So especially pastors, when you're new to a ministry, take time to get to know people. Um, Just share life together in ways that open up your knowledge of who is trustworthy. Um, That that warning to not be unequally yoked in 2 Corinthians 6.14 is a good warning in this regard too that you want to Build relationships with people who are who are spiritually mature, who can handle, who don't idolize you and look up to you and think that you're somehow better than everybody else because you're the pastor. You want people who are going to call you to account, to love you, to celebrate with you, to um, uh, to walk through ministry with you. So look for those relationships. Uh, it takes time to do that, so don't rush it. Uh, but also don't don't leave yourself. Un, without allies. Uh, I've written on this in, in one of my books and other places that I encourage pastors especially, but also people who move to have anchor allies and uh, area allies. Area allies are those people I'm trying to encourage you to have now, those people who see you week in, week out in your church, can look you in the face, can just watch your demeanor and know something's off. Uh, you need those people but you also need people who've known you for a long period of time, who've walked through thick and thin with you, who who can be something that holds you firm and fast 
when you are in a new place and you don't have those area allies yet. And then somebody who's just going to walk with you uh, through through life. And I think verbalizing that, saying that to each other, like, hey, I, I see you as a lifelong friend and I want to maintain a, a deep relationship with you until one or both of us are passed away and then we'll pick it up in eternity uh, is a good thing to, to say to somebody. Another thing is obviously trust the Lord. Know that your life is not in your hands. Uh, they're in his. You are not called to self-protection, complete, absolute self-protection. You are called to trust in the Lord and know that he will walk with you and take you through uh, whatever he has brought you through for for good, for his glory, to help others. Doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. Doesn't mean it's not going to be uh, un, you know, always comfortable, but we can trust in him. Um, for those who aren't pastors, I'd encourage you pray for your pastor, uh, that they would find and have good friendships, call your pastors to, and and check in on them, make sure they do have good friends in the church so they can talk to. And if you're a wise, trustworthy person, make yourself available to be that good friend. Uh, some resources I want to point you to, to help you think about this a little bit more. Even I mentioned already dangerous calling, excellent book. You need to read it. Uh, lead uh, both of those by Paul Tripp. And so those would be two good books. And then another resource that I especially want to encourage pastors to take advantage of are something called Lead Healthy Retreats. This is put out by 12 Stones Ministries. We'll put a link to those in the show notes so you can find those. That's an opportunity for pastors, their wives, to either go and have a, a, a personal retreat with some great biblical counselors who know ministry, who get you, who walk through hardship, and who will love you well, but also the opportunity for for pastors to join a cohort of other pastors. And maybe if you don't have those anchor allies, those people who you've known for a long time, this would be a good place to establish some of those uh, brothers and who know you, uh, who know the ministry, what ministry life is like, and how to encourage one another. Uh, I encourage you to take advantage of those resources as well. Again, we're out of time. Thank you so much for hanging with me, and I pray that it was a blessing to you, an encouragement to you, and that most of all, you're encouraged to go have genuine, true friendship, and that you and your friends will spur each other on to love and good deeds in Christlikeness. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.